0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Yamitalk T.I.A.'s podcast with your host yours Shirley Jai Shields here on this Tuesday, March the twenty second, the year two thousand and twenty two. Lots to do, lots to talk about here on this Tuesday program. As promised, I will recap the opening weekend that was of the two thousand and twenty two men's NCAA Division one. Men's basketball tournament. I will get into that. Break down the two games that I want to give my opinion on here at the top that I don't want to be mushed in with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the tournament. I will give you. I will talk about the Michigan State Duke game recap. That recap TCU Arizona, the last and most recent NCAA tournament game here at the top, and I look in. We will look into and preview the Sweet Sixteen coming up on uh, Thursday and Friday and give you an update as far as where my bracket stands is in front of me right now i do the electronic one you know for the little contest you know if you finish if you finish x amount of plays you know you get this so i'm in uh pat mcafee pat mcafee show uh in their little uh pool that they have on a march madness live app and I have one. I didn't do that many. I did. Uh, I did the one I wrote on paper. I did uh, another one for the March Madness Live app, and I did one for the ESPN Tournament Challenge. That one is is in the trash because I picked Tennessee. Something different. Uh, I did UCLA, Arizona, Tennessee, and the Tennessee one was. Uh, if it was paper, it was ready for me to throw into the garbage. Uh, Saturday, come uh, late Saturday afternoon or early Saturday evening. So all eyes on the paper one that you can hear. The paper one that I have in my hand right now. And then, of course, the Arizona one. I'll give you a status update on my bracket uh, as we dig closer and closer uh, into the show. But first things first, let's uh, begin with that tremendous, tremendous game uh, that uh, took place on Sunday night. In between, uh, excuse me, between TCU and Arizona. Now the problem is, and I'll break down the game in a minute, and it really, and it was a tremendous, you know, half of the country, about half of the country, if not a little less than that, probably was awake to see it, but uh, that was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous basketball game. Between TCU and Arizona, and I'll get to and break down the game and its intricacies in a minute. But first things first. Now, how in the world does the NCAA allow a game after we've sat? Listen, I was fortunate enough to wear the to wear the where the tournament. Uh, uh, began while I was on spring break with school and I you know I and I typically don't have classes on Thursday anyway the way that my the way that I was able to maneuver and make my schedule back in uh back in the fall and and in uh late August early September when the school year began I was able to well, now it was because I had to work I wasn't thinking hey let me create my schedule so I can sit home and relax and kick back and watch March Madness uh my, my my brain honest to god my brain was was far from that I maneuvered my schedule in order for me to work on those Tuesday on those Tuesdays and Thursdays but uh, but what hap- but spring break came this past week for us <clears throat> Morgan State students uh and uh and I was able to sit back you know from Thursday to Sunday night and sit back and watch nothing but college basketball, uh, so that Friday would have been a regular school day. Now would have made sure and would have maneuvered to make sure that I got home. Uh, that I got home because I have because my class is in the morning, so it allows me to essentially make sure that I'm home in the afternoon. Therefore, would have had school that, and if I would have had school that Friday, I would have been able to make sure that I would have been home. No later than about twelve thirty, twelve forty-five. So I would have missed about what about the first, the first half of the first half of century. But I would have been home to see, to see. all if not most of the action on friday if i was in school i wasn't i was on spring break so i was able to to watch all the action from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to 12 o'clock at night i did that thursday i did that friday i did that saturday saturday it was a little different because saturday i i got up had to take care of some things around the house i got up I had that extra long, didn't intend it to be, but that two-hour-long podcast episode I had to record. And it actually worked out kind of sort of in my favor because the because the games on Saturday afternoon were standalone. So I wasn't like I was miss, missing multiple games at one time. It was one game after another after another, and there wasn't going to be that overlap to about six thirty six forty five at night. So I was able to record the Baylor-UNC game and record the kansas forget who kansas played uh the kansas uh who did kansas play i gotta look that up kansas and um uh i'm trying to figure out who kansas played pulling it up here on my ipad here when i recorded the baylor unc game and the kansas Creighton game And I watched that via the DVR. Watch it via the DVR. Kind of, you know, had to keep the finger on the fast forward in between commercial, dead ball, timeouts, uh, you know, free throws. So I, you know, and college basketball—it's very easy to, you know, you're, you know, you're caught up within an hour. uh, As far as I get into. Getting to the end of the game from beginning to end, you cut out all the commercials and the twenty to thirty minute halftime, so you're able to watch a. I guess if and the Baylor UNC game ended up going in overtime, but you made it, you're able to get in and out of it pretty quickly. But I, you know, watch college basketball from Saturday. It was from about about. Three o'clock in the afternoon to a little after midnight, so shorter time frame, but I, but it was truncated, and I was able to see all the games. The game I didn't see a lot of, got to be honest, got to be fair, was Crankton and Kansas. Because so I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, well, Tennessee and Michigan. Is going to be tipping off in quite a minute. If I go ahead and and watch like a hawk every basket of Crankton versus Kansas, you know, I'm going to be sitting, I won't be fully caught up and still be watching games recorded. And, of course, I like watching sporting events live in the moment so I can retweet, go on Twitter, go on Instagram during the timeouts, during halftime, and not get any spoilers. But uh, so I, you know, watched about 30 to 40, 40% of Craigton versus Kansas, gotta be fair, gotta admit, but saw every basket of UNC North Carolina and, of course, saw the uh, the Michigan Tennessee game from beginning to end. But having said all that, did that on Saturday, watched two full days from noon to midnight on Thursday and Friday, and watched college basketball from noon to to a quarter to one in the morning on Sunday into the wee hours of Monday morning. And for the NCAA to have TCU and Arizona, I understand that there's two teams from the West Coast, Texas Southwest, so to speak, Arizona West Coast, game was played in San Diego, played on West Coast. I understand all that. And I get that. And I understand, you know, for two teams that play on the, on the West Coast and the game was played in California on, on the West Coast, so I understand that you have to cater to the West Coast audience because the game's being played on the West Coast and two participants are in the West Coast but it's a little different than if it was uh if it was doubt da- if it was Mavericks versus Suns you know opening round of a of a first round NBA pl- or first or second round of an NBA playoff series you know where uh, where the majority of the fan base lives in those cities you know you got you got people that come from all over the country that go to school either at TCU or Arizona that live out of state either they live out of state uh, in that same region, or they live on the opposite side of the country. Like, I gotta remember, you know, I was list- I of course listened to Dog religiously, and he had a caller call up uh, on call up on the show on Monday, saying I'm an Arizona, I'm an Arizona alum. Of course, de facto sports fan of that of that school, the Arizona Wildcats. Went to the school all four years, got my diploma, alumni. i Am a fan of their sports. Seems whole nine yards, but I live, but I live in Philadelphia. And he said, all you know well, although the game was worth it, you know he he uh we went back and forth on Twitter late on Sunday night and said, yeah, this game you know i got i'm a I know I'm gonna run on minimal sleep come Monday morning, but uh you know and it's kind of a bad I get dealt a bad hand being an Arizona alum alumnus and I live in the East Coast in the city of Philadelphia. So, and the NCAA has to realize that and know that just because that there are two teams that are on the western side of the United States against me playing in San Diego, California, that not everybody in their mother that went to TCU in Arizona lives in the state of Texas or lives in the state of Arizona. I mean, what about the TCU graduate that lives in Virginia? Or the aforementioned Arizona graduate that lives in Philadelphia? I mean, so you, what, they don't count? I mean, they deserve the watch, they deserve to watch their school participate in the NCAA tournament game as much as the uh, as much as the current TCU student living in Texas or the current Arizona student uh, living in Arizona or the current TCU and Arizona student that went to the game in San Diego and for the NCAA to start that game at nine fifty four damn it might as well round up and say like at ten o'clock at night on a Sunday night when we've sat, when when the college basketball fan the March Madness fan the the, the sports fan has sat on their caucus and done nothing but watch uh, college basketball NCAA tournament games round the clock, dating back to Thursday afternoon at 12. Think about that from 12 from 12 noon on Thursday up until that's one, two, three, four straight consecutive days of watching basketball from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to roughly 12 o'clock at night. And they couldn't have started. Getting, now I understand again that they, that since two thousand eleven, this is the eleventh year where they got all where they got CBS and the Turner Networks involved, but I mean it's you got to be able to, I understand that, you know, use the fact that you have the games on all these different networks to your advantage, you know. And I read a tweet on Sunday afternoon by Evan Cohen, who you had on in the past. You haven't listened to that spot. It, you now it's going on two years ago. But go back and listen to the phenomenal job he did back in the summer of 2020. He did a tremendous. He did a tremendous job. He, a University of Wisconsin graduate who couldn't throw the ball off a boat into the ocean in their game again. Against uh, Iowa State on Sunday evening, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, anyway, but he brought up an interesting point. You know, why why have the standalone games early and have all the games going up against each other at the same time later at night on a Sunday? You know, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it like that. Saturday, uh, Saturday, I'll grant you. Saturday, you know, back-to-back nights, you stay up till 12 o'clock in the morning. You want the stand-alone game on Saturday to give people a little bit of a breather. It is Saturday. People got things to do in the morning, you know, people that got to work and people that got to run the Saturday errands, going to the mall, grocery shopping. Oh, I'll, I'll grant you sat- It is a Saturday weekend day. Uh, you know, if you want to have the standalone, the, you know, have CBS have that triple header of the standalone games and then come the th- thir- the final CBS game has to air that night, then start to overlap with the TNT and TBS. So be it. Fine, I live with it. Sunday, you, gotta, you, you, you have to mix it up and have to do something different. Saturday, because it's the last day of the weekend, people got to get up, go to work, go to school the next day. Here's what you do. So here's what you do. And again, watch basketball round the clock from starting at twelve o'clock on Thursday afternoon. You start the games at twelve. You start the games at twelve noon. You have the overlap. You have you essentially do the same thing you do on Friday and on Thursday and Friday. You have the in the forty minute increments. And in forty minute increments, you have a game. CBS stands alone for about a half hour, forty minutes. Then you kick in the TBS game. Then you kick in the TNT game, and then they're running essentially on a continued cycle on a loop until until where the final game, the final game of the night, ends. Doesn't start. Ends at about ten o'clock at night. It is a Sunday. It's not going to be asking too much for the West Coast fan to go to a game at uh, at at three at you know, local time on a Sunday. That's not that's not too that's not too much to ask. 3:33 3:40 3:45 local time for college basketball uh, tournament game on a Sunday. Not too much to ask. So that way, the TCU Arizona game is ending at a towards ten o'clock at night instead of beginning at ten o'clock at night. I understand, you know. I understand CBS. They, you know, I they. I understand that they've, you know, they've blo- they've blown off. To they've sacrificed and blown off uh two days of uh of 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 primetime programming on Thursday and Friday, so I understand, you know, you can't blow off Sunday as well, you know, God forbid we gotta watch uh, Queen Latifah and the Equalizer and NCIS uh, LA shout out to LL Cool J but uh, and, but I, and, and of course the uh the their coveted spot at uh seven o'clock at night with sixty minutes. So if CBS has to finish their college basketball uh, viewership at seven o'clock, seven thirty on Sunday night, I grant you that. But make sure that the games that's happening on TBS and TNT and True TV, make sure that they're off the air by ten o'clock at night. We should not be tipping off and beginning NCAA second round of NCAA tournament games. You know, when we when we watch games around the clock since twelve o'clock on Thursday afternoon, we should not be starting them at ten at 10 o'clock at night on the East Coast. A, the majority of the U.S. population lives on the East Coast, and again, it's not fair to the TCU and Arizona graduate that lives in the east that lives in the that lives in the Eastern time zone. What they can't go to TCU and go to Arizona, graduate and either have a career or 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 go back home or or, or start a new life in the Eastern Time Zone? How, how's that? How's that fair to them? The TCU graduate that lives in Jersey, or the Arizona graduate that lives in Maryland, or the or the Arizona graduate that that li- that lives in uh, that lives in Georgia? Well, that's not that's not fair to them. What what only Texas and Arizona local citizens goes to the, goes and graduates from those schools? How's it fair to them? Pro sports, I can kind of understand it because 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 more of a local. Now I understand you get fans, you know, from you know me being a Cincinnati Bengals fan, never you know not not a uh, a fellow Cincinnatian. I root for the team, so I understand there's going to be a couple outliers. But pro sports, it's it's a it's a communionized ordeal. Colleges, especially on the D one level, playing in the Pac twelve and the in the in the in the in the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, come on, you got you got people coming in all over from all corners of the country, coming and go to these schools and graduate from them. And if they choose to, you know to graduate from TCU or collect their diploma in Arizona and start their fa- and start their family in uh, in Camden, New Jersey, what and, 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 the, and they're as big as an Arizona fan as a person that that, that lives within the state. how's it fair to them? they got you know gotta, when they gotta be dragging their ass to get up and go to work and go to school on Monday morning because got see because their alma mater's uh, second round basketball game is tipping off at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. When they've done nothing but watch college basketball for 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 12 hours consecutively on four straight days, think about it. You do the math. Four You do the math. Four consecutive days times to tw- roughly 12 hours. That's four, that that is what. Four days, four days. You times that by the 12 hours each. That's 48 hours of basketball. That's a two full days' worth of basketball spread out in twelve hour increments on four consecutive days, and they start the game and they start the final game at nine at, at ten o'clock at night. I mean, seriously, guys. I mean, we we can't have the game tip off at about you at uh at a 8. la 15, 8. 15, 8. like it's so a Sunday night football game. Where the game you know is over a little after 10 o'clock at night so so those of us that they have to get up at five six o'clock in the morning can get roughly six roughly seven to eight hours worth of sleep and not have to crush mountain dew energy drinks at uh at uh 8 in the morning because they only because they only got about f- five and a half six hours worth of sleep I mean, that's, that's a joke. That's a disgrace. I understand, you know, NCAA, they take every nickel from the TV networks, but that's a joke. That's a joke. I understand CBS has to be off the air at a certain time Sunday night. Uh, I, I understand all that. And it's cable and and the TBS and the TNTs and the true TVs of the world. They have no uh, big-time, prime-time programming a la big-bad CBS that's been... A, that's been a television network staple, you know, for over sixty, for over sixty years. Sixty, seventy years. But that that that's that's egregious. Starting an NCAA tournament game at ten o'clock on a Sunday night. I mean, seriously. Game didn't end to about a quarter to one in the morning. Cause it went into overtime. Do better, guys. Do better. It's not the end of the world if the if the game if the game tips off three hours earlier, it is a Sunday. I understand if it's you know NBA or NFL playoffs where you know you're playing playoff games on work nights. Uh, you know, I, I grant you that I get you that. You know five o'clock. And now I say so what? So be it. You know East Coast fan matters too. You know starting Dodger playoff if the if the Dodgers got to play a playoff game at five fifteen. Local time compared to uh, eight fifteen or seven fifteen local time. So be it. it. It is the playoffs, after all, seen by all across the nation. But it, but that argument, fine. This this is no for what happened on Sunday. There's no excuse for it. It's a Sunday. It's not going to make any difference starting an, NBA, starting an NCAA tournament game at, at, uh, at, at 6.54 local time compared to 3.54 local time. It's not, it, there's no difference. It's that and the other. West Coast weekend. Games aren't that long to begin with anyways. It is March Madness. It, may, it won't make a difference. Trust me, it will not make a difference with the gates. Somebody tried to tell me at school that, well, you know, the game was played in California. You got to worry about the, you got to worry about the people that go to the games in in the, in San Diego, California. Nonsense, nonsense. It's a it's a it's a Sunday. Start the start the game three hours earlier. And you turn out you miss it. And it turned out about seventy five to seventy five to fifty percent of the country didn't see the game. It was a classic basketball game. Arizona wins eighty five eighty. I mean, for, and with the ref ball, I mean, which was absolutely pathetic. how in the world they did not call a foul in the second half. How in the world they did not call a foul, and I'll get you the uh the play specific in a minute. How in the world, uh let me see if I can find it on a play by play How in the world did my did my how could you cannot fathom to me, it is it is it is unforgivable and just ridiculous how they didn't how they didn't think that uh, Mike Miles did get fouled with three seconds left going across the uh, going across the the half court line. I don't know how in the world. I understand you know it's a tight game, good game, March Madness. Let him play. Swallow whistle all nine yards. But I mean the guy got freaking mugged and it didn't and they didn't blow the whistle. I'm watching, I'm like, um, no foul there, guys. I mean, it was clear as a, I don't get people say, well, he flopped. No, he didn't flop. That was a foul, and the rest straight up didn't call it. I mean, you know, and especially within the game, especially when you're watching a tightly contested close basketball game like that, you watch it and you anticipate the foul being made and the whistle being blown. And it's like when the when the when the, when Miles turned over the basketball. And uh, Dale and Terry stole it. I was like, uh, "Where's the whistle? Like, 'Cause you, 'Cause in those moments, in those moments, and you've seen plenty of close games all weekend. You're anticipating the whistle to stop the play, and it's like, no whistle, no whistle. And then Terry steals the ball and decides to dunk it instead of just soft-lobbing soft it up for the, easy, for the easy basket to make sure that the ball's out of his hand before the, before the end of regulation. So you had, so had two egregious mistakes, one by the refs and then one by Dale and Terry, who, got a, who, who, uh, who was fortunate that he had the basketball in his hand, and, and it didn't send Mike Miles up to, the, uh, up to the free throw line. First of all, should have been a foul. No argument, no discussion. Should have been fouled. Got fouled. Practically mugged at midcourt to trying to prevent a fast break score, and they didn't call it. Second of all, Dalen Terry's got to know better that when you ha- that when you have the ball driving on a fast break play with l- with less than five seconds left to go, a little less than that, you got to know that you cannot dunk the basketball in that situation. I understand you want to put emphasis on it, and rah-rah look at me and have the stadium go wild and. And look like Superman, but no, that situation. You steal the ball. You get to about the free throw line. You gotta look up, see how much time is on the clock. And say, I gotta get this ball out of my hands ASAP, like hot potato, and lob it into the basket. Not slam it home, you know, for extra emphasis. And by the time the clock hits double zeros, the ball is is still is, is, you're, you're still palming the basketball in in your motion of in your motion while you're up in the air trying to dunk it. You can't have that. Benedict Matherin made it, made one of the clutchest uh, three pointers, uh, clutchest three pointers that I saw all week long. hitting that uh, game time three to tie the game up at seventy five with fourteen seconds left. He absolutely had a phenomenal. I mean, Pack twelve player of the year for a reason. I mean, he was just absolutely sensational in the game. Uh, thirty point, thirty points shot eight of nineteen from the field. Uh, it made made eleven out of his three uh, 11 out of his 13 free throws, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Had the game tying 3 to send it into overtime. Fantastic job. And Coloco, the center, who had an amazing game, 28 points, 12 of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from the free throw line, 12 boards, 2 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks. But Benedict Mothran, I mean, I... I I can see why Big uh, pac Twelve Player of the Year. He, I mean, he he wasn't just good. He took over that game on Sunday night. Took over it, and the overtime. I mean, it just took took over the game. Took over it. Offensive, offensive, re offense. You know, Coloco misses the two free throws. He gets the offensive rebound in the boot. Gets his own you know gets his gets the layup and then tops it off gets his own rebound, tops off with a layup. Gets fouled with 209 gets fouled with two oh nine to go, score seventy scores 79-77, team up by two. What does he do? Gets to the free throw line, makes two shots, puts Arizona up three. Or excuse me, up four. Fantastic job. Made a jump, made a jumper to extend Arizona's lead to two at 83-80 uh had a def- had a clutch defensive rebound off of Chuck O'Bannon's uh missed three-pointer which would have tied the game up at 83 apiece gets the defensive rebound gets back on offense misses the three-pointer Coloco, who again his partner crime had a phenomenal game scoring uh scoring 28 had got the offensive rebound and, br- and brought it home with the dunk to put the game on ice at 85-80 but it, that was a tremendous game tremendous but that should have been a foul called at the end of, at the end of the regulation. That's number two, and uh, and you do not go up for a dunk when there's less than three seconds left, and you need a, and all you need is a simple two point basket to win the game. You still if you steal the ball, have enough awareness to look up and see how much time is left on the clock, and realize that that in the time it takes you for the dunk, the basketball is going to milk about two three seconds. That you get the ball as soon as you get underneath the basket from about 15 feet. You touch past it, you soft lob it up into the basket, and hope it goes in. Cause the main objective isn't making sure necessarily that the ball, you know, gets flushed into the hoop. In that situation, your goal should be to make sure that that the ball is out of your hand, that the ball is out of your hand as quickly as possible. Not making sure that that, that you know it's a guaranteed two points by flushing it into by flushing into the rim for the dunk. Uh uh-uh. uh. You get the ball. See how much time is left, and make sure you get get make sure that the ball is out of your hand with as with as much time as possible before the clock hits double zeros. So if the so if the basket does count, if if, if you do make the if you do make the jump shot, it counts. He's made because he made the because he made the dunk, and the clock was going and flashing triple zeros for a good two three seconds. By the time by the time he executed his dunk. But it was a tremendous basketball game. Arizona, number one seed in the South region, uh, who had 33-3, TCU the ninth seed. Uh, phenomenal performance and a phenomenal job. Uh, as Arizona moves on to play uh, Houston in the Sweet 16 in the South region on Thursday night, and uh, and TCU's season ended on Sunday. They themselves are coming off of their first-round victory, Against uh, against Seton Hall, in which they absolutely dominated by the final score of 69 to 42. TCU Arizona games where we begin. The the crazy finish, the crazy overtime, the crazy couple seconds in regulation, plus the late starting time is the problem. Starting a game at ten o'clock on Sunday night when you watch college basketball nonstop since Thursday afternoon is not the way to go. We will touch on the we will recap the Michigan State Duke game coming up. Just getting started, the Amatella Castis podcast. Welcome back to the um, Amatelic T I is podcast. Switching gears down to the other game the one you could even argue that this was the game of uh of Sunday and not the not necessarily the TCU Arizona game. And that was the game between Michigan State, Michigan Steak. <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm thinking about steak. Michigan State and Duke, the Duke Blue Devils and of course the Michigan uh, and, of course, the Michigan State um, uh, Spartans. And that was an absolute classic basketball game. Duke, of course, winning by the final score of 85-76. That was a, not good, but that was a great, entertaining, edge-of-your-seat, heart-racing, blood pumping and throwing throughout your body type of basketball. I mean that I mean where I, I mean it was just a tremendous game. You had Duke with their yet with their young roster you, and uh Palin- and Panchero, Pablo Panchero, their forward had a had a fantastic game, had 19 points, uh shot 8 of 14 from the field, seven rebounds, four assists uh and uh, and more. I mean, think about it, they had they had Four out of their starting five finished with fit with fifteen points or more. Think about it. Four or Palo, not Pablo, Palo Banchero had four out of their five guys on their starting five had fifteen points or more. Including Kills who came off the bench, played twenty five points, had twelve, shot four of eight from the field, uh one of two from three, three or four from the free throw line, had four had four rebounds, one assist, and their and uh and they as a team Uh, shot collectively 57% from the field, 76% from the free-throw line. One of the better offensive performances that I've seen actually out of the tournament in the opening weekend was from Duke. Uh, Michigan State, though, did shoot better from the free-throw line uh, than Duke did, 91% compared to Duke's 76%. But the bottom line is who's going to be able to make the big-time shots. And and Michigan State, as a team, shot 41.5% from the field. Duke made more than half of their shot attempts damn near. 60 57 percent from the field you go ahead you look at the stats uh, and go ahead and look at the stats. You know, my, minimal turnovers. Duke turned over the basketball ten times. Michigan State did win a turnover battle, ten to 7, uh, ten to seven. Duke ne- Duke never led no more than nine points. Michigan State never never uh, led longer or excuse me, larger than a five point lead. So no team was able to run away and hide at any point in period of the game in the first or second half. Duke only led again by as by his as many as three, as three three pointers and nine points. Michigan State never led more than as many as five, which also comes into account of how closely and tight contested the game was. Nobody led by double digits, uh, and you had uh, and you both teams were very good from the free throw line. Michigan State was damn near automatic, but they only got to the line 12 times. Duke was able to draw. 20 was able to get to the free throw line, uh, put together 21 shots, of course. And you go ahead and you look Michigan State committed 19 fouls, Duke committed 12. And quite frankly, that ended up being the only difference in the game is with Duke winning uh, with Duke winning by nine points, was able to fa- was the fact that Duke was able to get to the free throw line, and albeit you know they weren't automatic at the free throw line, but when you get to the free throw line and put together twenty one foul shots, and your opponent puts about half than that at twelve, and you are and and you're out shooting your opponent from the field fifty seven to forty one percent, you're gonna win uh, lots of basketball games. And Duke only attended fifty shits fifty. Six shots, Michigan State only attempted 65, but a tremendous basketball game, Izzo and Coach K, the game's two great uh, icons of the sport, Izzo and K, a tremendous, I mean, when's the last time you saw Coach K so ecstatic and so... Filled with enthusiasm and happiness for a second for a second round NCAA tournament game that you know that didn't come down to that didn't uh, end in a bus beat or anything like that. I mean he was hug, he was hugging his players. He chest bumped one of his guys. He was pumping his fists. Like, you know he 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 had the reaction of a Duke fan. Watching that game, watching that game on uh, on late Sunday, late Sunday evening, heading into Sunday night. I mean, it was my heart. I mean, I cannot. My heart had not been pounding through my chest like that, where I'm on pins and needles, edge of my seat, standing up. You know, living and dying by every. I had not watched a sporting event like that, realistically, since the Super Bowl. You know, and the only reason why I, my my heart was in it and I was emotionally in it like that is because I had is because I had not on my paper pick, not on my paper bracket, but on the uh, but in a couple of the other ones I had, I had Duke as a Final Four team, and I believe one of them even had them in the national championship, and even in the paper bracket I had them going to the Elite Eight the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. And of course coming off of was well the Wisconsin game had yet to be played at that time. But uh coming off of Baylor getting knocked out on Saturday, you know, and I, I needed I needed and Tennessee losing to Michigan on Saturday as well. You know, I needed I need a little bit of a pick me up with the With uh, needed Duke to hang on, and they ended up. uh, And also, I got knocked out. I had Illinois, who never, who doesn't do a damn thing in the NCAA tournament, and their offense. I hate to get off the beaten path, but their offense with with Illinois, it's all Kofi Coburn or nothing. If Kofi Coburn isn't dominating in the paint and having the ball in his hand constantly and drawing fouls and attacking the rim and this that and the other. the Illinois offense essentially is uh is is non existent. And give um the uh give uh, Samson, Kelvin Sampson, the coach of uh Houston a ton of credit Punched up a phenomenal defensive game plan. They did not let uh, Kofi Colburn beat them inside, and they took away and they took away their best. They took away Illinois's best player and their facilitator for their offense. And in turn, Houston did a phenomenal job. Ended up winning and advancing to yet another Sweet 16 as uh, as Illinois goes by the board. But getting back to Duke and Michigan State. My, you know, I had not been that emotionally invested in a sporting event since the Super Bowl. Now, of course, you know, if Duke would have lost, it would have been, oh snap, oh snap, you know, Coach K's career ends like this. You know, my bracket goes up in smoke. This, that, and the other. But, you know, I, it, I you know, I would have been able to sleep a Sunday night on, you know, of course, unlike with the Super Bowl when my, when I had plenty of skin in the game. With my Cincinnati Bengals participating in it, but you know I've, I'm rooting for Coach K throughout this run. I want Duke to at least get to a Final Four in Coach K's final year. I'm also rooting for Duke because I picked them to go far in my bracket and my brackets, plural. Uh, so I so I, I had I had um so I was rolling with Duke uh, in the game. I, where did I have Michigan State on my um? Well, I did predict the Duke Michigan State second round game, and I predicted. So I even predicted, I predicted that game between Michigan State and Duke prior to the tournament beginning, and I had Duke winning. So now I was I rooting for my bracket long term with Duke and Coach K, final season and everything else, but also predicted uh, Duke to win the game as well. But a fantastic game, Michigan State. You know, bottom line, Michigan State had two guys make. Uh, had two guys score more than fifteen points out of their starting five. Uh, Duke had Duke had four. Duke had four, Michigan State had two. And uh, Duke got to the free throw line a hell of a lot more than Michigan State did, and Duke shot better from the field. That's it. That was that was your soul that was your sole difference. Michigan State only turned over the bass. Michigan State only turned over the basketball seven times to Duke's ten. Uh, they made 91 percent of their free throws only missed one but the only difference is that you, get, you, you but the only difference is that do got to the free throw line a lot more than Michigan state did which ended up being the sole dividend you know outside outside of not outside of not drawing as many fouls uh, and not shooting as well from the field and having their having their starting five uh, put the you know be a be a be a uh, group of proficient scores. Not much really Michigan State could have done. You heard Coach K say after the game, you know, that wasn't coaching. That was the fact that my players had heart. And you saw that with that young Duke team. And that's why, you know, I read over the last couple of days that, you know, th- that Duke could have a magical moment in them with this young team where it's not necessarily X's and O's and better roster this, better roster that. It's that it just comes down to who wants it more. And, uh, and I brought this up. Uh, and if I and I brought this up or at least referenced to it after their North Carolina game, I have a feeling that, that Duke losing that final game at Cameron Indoor to in North Carolina, like they did the first Saturday of the month, that it that it would strike a nerve within the Duke players. That it would strike a nerve. That it would bother them. That their that their that their head coach, their guy, their boss who's had a legacy long before those players even born. I mean, th- those those players that Coach K is coaching is my age, you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age, and Coach K's legacy was cemented back when their parents were in high school. Back when their parents were in high school, their parents were in college. They Again, 42 years at one location, got five national championships. Uh, so, and you figure that it, would, that it would bother them that their fame, illustrious, uh, coach of, the, of of Mike Shashevsky's uh, stature would you know lost his final home game to a to a rival in North Carolina. Nevertheless, and that it was shaking nerve with him, saying, "You know what? We're going to make sure that that this guy isn't going to lose his uh, his final NCAA tournament games, and we're going to go out there and win him a championship." Typically, you know, it's 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 in, especially college basketball. It's the coach first, and then it's the players. But you have a feeling with this Duke team, at least I do, that it's his players that that want to win it for their coach as much as the coach wants it for the players. Because again, in college basketball, the coach is always going to be there. The players come and go, especially in this day and age with the one and done's. The coach stay the coach is always going to be there. The players come and go. And not every player that suits up for these college teams and playing an NCAA tournament are gonna go into the NBA and win MVPs and participate in NBA finals, let alone make an NBA roster. So you know, the player the coaches won as much as the players do. And this standpoint, especially because of the fact that Duke has a young team, you get you get the feeling that Duke's that the players of Duke, they want it they want it for Coach K because they know, hey, as a as a freshman, as a sophomore on this team, I'm gonna be here next year. My head coach is not this. This is last. This is his last ride. His last dance. His last ever go around at this. My opportunity, push comes to shove, will be here for me to win a championship, and for me and for me to get mine next year. I want to make sure that my coach, who's done so much for me, not uh, for me, my career, me as a human being, and for the Duke program and for the game of college basketball, and I want to make sure that he, when it's all said and done, come April fourth. As a national champion and at least make sure come April 2nd that he's participating in his final final four that's the impression I get and that's the impression I got watching them late on Sunday night of just the absolute effort and just the heart that that those Duke players gave him on Sunday night Demi mean, they, they left no no stone no stone unturned they made sure come hell of high water they were not when that clock hit triple zero so they made sure that they gave it everything they got, and boy did they ever! Blocks on defense, rebounding, second chance points—fantastic job by Duke! Fantastic job. It was a classic game. Michigan State's got nothing to be ashamed of. It's just that, Duke, you know, sometimes, you, he, sometimes you know your opponent makes a makes a couple plays and they just want a little bit more than you do. But Michigan State twenty twenty three and uh, thirteen regular season record. Hey, they did a they did a, they did a solid job and an absolute very classic maybe a little strong for a second round game but it boy, you'd be remiss if, if I'd be remiss if I didn't say it was top five if not top three best game of uh of of the first uh, four days of the tournament because it was that good Edgy seat high intensity that's that's what the NCAA tournament and college basketball in particular is all about. The high intensity levels, emotion, the energy, edge of your seat, you know, watching it, watching it as a fan, you know, hu- uh, hus- the hustle, the, hu- the, the the levels of effort, the hustle, the gra- you know, get the second chance points, grabbing a rebound, grabbing your own rebounds, crashing the glass, making your free throws, uh, clutch, clutch three point shooting, that's what the game is about. That's what it's about. I mean, Michigan State fifty went fifty percent from three. Uh, Duke thirty eight percent. Honestly, when when you come right down to it, that was one of the best op- offense performances I I've, I saw during the weekend was Michigan State and Duke. they, they, they now there's plenty of defense involved. Uh, you know, eleven combined blocks, uh, eight steals combined. But there was some, de- there was uh, there was some good scoring in that game, which you want. It's me. You know, I understand college game, out. You know, and we've saw it all weekend long that uh, you know that none of these teams are are you know Duke. You know, you could argue, uh, but none of these teams are, are really great offensive scoring teams. You know, it's more or less about the second chance points and grabbing the rebounds and and playing and and have, make sure making sure that your defense is just as solid as you put in the ball in the basket and your free throw shooting. But uh, but but you saw but you saw a decent offensive performance from Michigan State and Duke on Sunday night. You did a lot, be- a lot better than you saw from Iowa State and Wisconsin. I can guarantee you that right now. Speaking of which, we'll get to that and some more let down surprises and upsets from the opening weekend of the tourney. The amount I can tell you is podcast rolls on. Welcome back to the Amateur um, Like Your TIs podcast. Let's uh, de- switch gears to my to the biggest surprises and upsets of the tourney. I give you my bracket, then uh, and take a break, then get on to the Sweet Sixteen and close out the show. I'll do the order from Thursday to Sunday first, and just go down the list here. Uh, Iowa losing to Richmond as a as a fifth seed as the as the uh, Big Ten tournament champs, I mean that is a to to Richmond. Who what? Yeah, the Richmond Spiders is, uh, is a very just surprising outcome. Iowa, you got to you got to do better than that. Uh, you go and uh, sure, English guy. I'm sitting here trying to. My brain is going faster than my mouth. Uh, with uh, yeah, McCaffrey and Murray combining for. 39 points and the rest of their offense didn't do a damn thing. Rebecca, Bohannon, Perkins uh, combined. Combined now. Combined four seventeen points. I mean it's just it's just that's that's not good that's not good enough. And you had Gilliard of Richmond drop twenty twenty four points on uh on six rebounds, six of six, shot eight of fifteen from, from the field, four of seven from three. He was absolutely dynamite. Was four four perfect from the free throw line. Did a sensational job. Burton and Kayo, uh Burton, their forward eighteen eighteen, eleven and one uh, nine of ten from the free throw line in Iowa. Their other forward, 15 points, two rebounds, one assist, seven eleven from the field uh, with a uh, in 30 minutes of action. Richmond losing that was a big surpriser with me. Uh, I had Iowa going all the way to the Elite Eight. Expect a little bit more from them having beaten P- uh, Purdue in the uh, in the uh, in their. Uh, in their Big Ten Tournament Championship on Sunday, very underwhelming performance from them. Uh, can, uh, UConn lo, losing losing in the opening round of New Mexico State. I mean, that's. I mean, if you're UConn, and this is again, this is not your you know run of the mill uh, program. a you know, a-la, Let's get you know Marquette. I mean, this is UConn. This is uh, this is uh, Calhoun with the national champion. I mean, this is this is considered one of the uh, best dynasties in college basketball in recent memory, and for you to get and for them to lose to to twelfth seeded New Mexico State is a very 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 very. were six and a half point favorites. I mean, that's that's just completely unacceptable. I mean, UConn as a team uh, shot. Shot uh, seven of twenty-three from three. Uh, and meanwhile, New Mexico State couldn't stop making threes. Eleven of 64 percent. You do the math. Uh, shot. Uh, they shot forty-three percent from the field, uh, and they turned over the basket and they turned over the basketball eight times. And can only and they, even though they they got more points off a of turnover seventeen to me- to New Mexico State's uh, twelve. They, I mean they're, they're and they outdid New Mexico state in fast break points. It's just the fact that i mean you can't stop New Mexico state uh with shooting the threes. Yeah, I mean, you see, you stand no chance, and you can't throw, and you can't make threes to save your life. You stand no chance. That that one really shocked me. I had UConn, and and I'm just going off the paper bragging right here. I had UConn advance to the Sweet Sixteen to play Gonzaga in the Western in the Western region, and for them to not make it out of the first round to let alone the New Mexico the New Mexico State Aggies was very 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 underwhelming and surprising. I mean the first round, I mean, my goodness gracious. Uh and uh and shout out to uh Timmy Russo, the one of their their graduate assistant at UConn, who uh who was not a uh, happy camper to say the least, uh but the great Tim and uh And uh, Dan Hurley, part of a Hootay Nation, the uh, Cincinnati and Bengals fan, hopefully they will bounce back in the 2022-23 season coming up uh, in the late fall, early winter in a few, uh, what, in about seven, eight months' time. Uh, As for the other surprises, uh, Indiana, who stunk, stunk against St. Mary's, I was just absolutely pathetic in the game getting blown out by the final score of eighty two to fifty three uh they were I mean they were not bad they were an abysmal I mean and we all and we knew heading in that they weren't a great offensive team to begin with anyway but shooting eight eight making eighteen of fifty three jump shots thirty four percent from the field twenty percent from three attempted ten three pointers only made two of them i mean that is that is just completely completely. Completely unacceptable saint mary 's uh, ran circles around uh Indiana as far as out rebounding them thirty eight to thirty eight to twenty eight and uh, and Michigan and all Indiana did was turn over the basketball 13 times to St. Mary's nine and the points off for turnovers. This was astounding. When I checked the box score after the game, and when I re- when I saw it, and when I was in you know of course watched the game. This was this, if you thought that if you thought Indiana's uh, field goal percentage was bad, just listen to the points off the of turnovers differential. St. Mary's 26 points off the turnovers. Indiana, eight, and one like St. Mary's turned over the basketball. You know, about five times you can count on one hand. Like uh, Michigan State did against Duke, they turned over the basketball nine times. They can only muster eight points. I mean that that is uh, that that's pathetic. I understand Indiana nice season, won an NCAA tournament game. Mike Woodson's done a hell of a job, but. That is completely, completely embarrassing and underwhelming to get the get your doors blown off by Saint Marys in the opening round of a, of a, of, a, uh, of the of the of the of the round of sixty four. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Go over to Friday's action. What we took from Friday's action. where well, you took this. The fact that. Uh, the fact that. Virginia Tech, who I thought was going to make a little bit—I say it wasn't an upset, but it certainly uh, qualifies as a surprise—at least in my book. I thought Virginia Tech, who had a spirited uh, a- ACC conference tournament, took it to Duke. You know, had a very up and down, rough regular season. Conference tournament came. And and everything started clicking for him. They were a trendy pick of mine. I had them advancing to the elite. Eight. I thought that that run of winning the conference championship and beating Coach K and his and Duke in his final uh, ever ACC conference tournament in Brooklyn. I thought that was going to provide a little bit of uh, pep and or step and light of fire and Ethan to make it decent. Uh, NCAA tournament run, and they ended up losing to uh, Texas by the final score of eighty-one by final score of eighty-one uh, seventy-three. Is there another one that I took from? Uh, we'll get the Wisconsin as far as Sunday's action goes, and when it comes to Saturday, uh, Baylor losing the defending champions, losing the North Carolina in the overtime. First of all, how in the world do does uh, do the officials? Call a flagrant two on Manic, who which which kicked them out of the game and essentially helped propel and was the catalyst of Baylor's uh, almost his well when I say historical meaning if they would have won it you know it would have went down in NCAA tournament lore. But how in the world do the refs kick out Manic for calling that a flagrant two and throwing him out of the game like that? It wasn't malicious. It, you know he was boxing out. You know part of the game. You know sometimes you catch an elbow to the face. You know, but when you're a big man, you're trying to out rebound a guy in the NCAA tournament game. Stuff like that happens. It's part of the game. I thought that was way, 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 way over the top and overboard, giving him a flagrant two and kicking him out of the game like that. And I ended up being the catalyst to the Baylor Bears' uh, comeback. But the Tar Heels were able to uh, to stick with it and hang on, winning the game 93 to 86 in overtime. Davis did a phenomenal job in the game. R.J. Davis, their uh, their point guard out of White Plains, New York, drop uh, drop thirty drop thirty points with uh, with, uh, five rebounds, six assists, shot eight of 17 from the field, five of 10 from three, damn near perfect from the free throw line, 45 minutes of basketball played. Uh, And then, of course, Manick, their forward prior to his ejection or until he got ejected, had a a decent game going for him as well. 26 points, five boards, two assists, eight of 13 from the field, four of eight, shot 50% from three, six of eight, from the free throw line in 28 minutes of basketball played. North Carolina as a team, what a gritty, gutty performance from them. Shot 49% from the field, 44% from three. They were phenomenal. Uh, 70% from the free throw line to Baylor, 77%. 27. They were both deadlocked. The points off a turnovers, 27 per each side. But the, one of the other difference makers is not, not to mention with uh, outside of R.J. Davis going off. Uh, was a 12 to eight fast break point advantage North Carolina had over Baylor, and what was and what up un, up until that North Carolina Baylor game, that game was by far the game of the tournament between North Carolina uh, and Baylor had an, had an extra dramatic feel to it, at least I thought so, because it was a standalone game in the early afternoon block. But uh, up until up until the up until that game's conclusion, North Carolina and Baylor took the cake of by far being the uh, being the game of the uh, of the first four days. Or well, at that point, the first uh, two two get two days and a in two hours of the NCAA tournament and a phenomenal, fantastic. A dramatic and physical, 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 physical basketball game. I mean, you got players diving, saving loose balls. Uh, You know, I mean, it had all the shades, all the shades of a good old-fashioned 1980s, 1990s scrap heap between uh, North Carolina and Baylor a physical basketball game which I absolutely had no problems with they want to get they want to get scrappy get physical with each other manic wants to throw elbows a la bill and beer so be it you know that that's what the NCAA tournament and what playoff basketball NBA and in college is supposed to be all about guys putting their bodies on the line getting extra physical bodies hitting the floor throwing elbows uh, hip checking guys Throwing their hips left and right the box out getting an advantage uh, uh you know getting a re- getting an advantage inside the paint rebound that's what's supposed to be about, and that was a fantastic game, but manic did get screwed on it the- how and what they gave him a flagrant too is the referees you know doing the most as uh, us in the younger generation say all the time, and them once again injecting their beaks into the game but uh, RJ Davis and company had other plans as North Carolina moves on to the sweet 16. And if you're Tennessee, you know, if you're not going to, if you're Tennessee, that's a horrendous loss. I understand Michigan is Michigan and Jawan Howard has done a fa- has uh, has done a fantastic job uh has done a fantastic job uh with the uh, with the Michigan program making the sweet 16 essentially most if not every year. Uh, every year he's been there, but if you're but if you're Tennessee, you know if you're not going to, and I get the coach's name here for you in a minute. But that is a that is a horrendous loss uh, for Tennessee going up against Michigan the other night. I mean, that I mean that is a game that if you're Tennessee, you have to win, you must win if you want to take yourself seriously to be a big time NCAA SEC program. And if you're Rick Barnes, you know, if you're not, if now, when, when it comes to making a a little dent in NCAA tournament play, their loss against Michigan on Saturday was the 19th time, 19th time on the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament that a Rick Barnes coached team had gotten bounced in the 26 tournaments that that he has coached in. Think about that for a minute. Out of the 26 times... He's been able to coach a team to an NCAA tournament. He's gotten bounced in the opening weekend 19 of the 26 times. Which is uh, that's un- that's unforgivable. He's been to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament once in his last ten trips, spending his time at Tennessee and at Texas. He had been a t- he's been a top five seed five of those ten times. And for the reason he can't get past the opening weekend. He he's only been to the Sweet 16 once since 2008. Once Sweet 16 birth since 2008 when he had Kevin Durant for Texas. I mean, if now when? If now when? Ninth first weekend exit in the last ten trips. I mean, they, we big time big time coaches don't do that. And you go and if you want to go through Rick Barnes's resume. I will gladly, gladly uh do so because this is a guy that does nothing but get to the NCAA tournament and fall on himself every single t- every single time he gets there. Uh just, just go to pro college basketball reference. There we go. Uh this is you know, this is you want to hear his NCAA uh his uh, NCAA tournament. There you go. He has made it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, listen to this. This is now you wanna if you wanna go all the way back to his days at Clemson in the mid nineties, I'll be happy to do so. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Made it to the final four, oh two, oh three. Uh, but outside of O two and O three, he's made it to one final four since nineteen ninety five. He made it consecutively from ninety five to 2012, missed it. 12 to 13, back to back. 13, th- 13 through 15, missed it. 15 through 17 with Tennessee, back to back NCAA tournaments in to 17 and 18, or 17 through 19. Regular season SEC champion for Tennessee in 2017 and 18, when it went 26 and nine. Conference tournament champion for Tennessee this year, and again could couldn't, can't make a dent. Could not, he's made it to one Final Four in his career. One. He's won conference tournaments with Providence. He's won conference tournaments with Tennessee. He's won regular season championships with Tennessee and regular season championships with Texas. One Final Four. One Final Four appearance. That 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 is completely completely unacceptable. Can't have it. Can not happen under any circumstances. He was a uh, he was a disappointment. He was another disappointment on on a Saturday after on Saturday afternoon. Then comes Sunday again. And I mentioned it last segment with Illinois. You know it's Kofi Coburn or nothing. Houston did a Houston and Houston and their uh Houston did a phenomenal job clamping down on Kofi Coburn who could not score under you know who he got a little hot the beginning of the second half but for the most but for the majority of the game uh Houston had all the answers for him 19.6 of 11 from the field uh eight rebound only eight rebounds uh in 38 minutes of play outside of, he was the only player on Illinois that had double digit uh, had double digits in the game. They were pathetic against uh, against Loyola Chicago last year. Were not that great against Houston on Sunday. Again, if Kofi Coburn doesn't score, they have no offense to speak of whatsoever. They shot 34% from the field, 24% from three, hoisting up nine million three six to twenty five. And again, I understand that these college teams that have participated in the tournament from Thursday up until Sunday, uh, win or lose, they have not been outside of you. Could, uh, you know you. Can find a couple outliers here and there, Duke, you know, this and any the other, but these are not tremendous offensive teams by any stretch of the imagination. I get that. But I mean, it, it it comes to the point where it's just beyond is where it's just beyond laughable. Illinois can only score thirteen points off of uh, off of Houston's eight turnovers. Illinois turned over the basketball fifteen times. Houston was able to score twenty points off the turnovers, and Houston outgained Illinois in fast break points, eleven to nine. But again, Kofi Carborn ain't scoring, ain't dominating the basket, ain't. Ain't uh, crashing the glass and attacking the rim. Illinois does not score. Give Houston tremendous credit for their victory on Sunday afternoon. Sampson uh, getting his team back to yet another uh, NCAA round of the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, is there another one? Uh, Auburn was just absolutely pathetic. I mean, they're all. I mean, you talk about an embarrassing offense. I mean, they as a team only had two, had three, had uh, they as a team, just let me read you Auburn's numbers here. 30, they shot 30% from the field, 21-69. to 69. They were too fast-paced. There was no sense of, I don't want to say there was too much of a sense of urgency to a certain degree. There was nobody within, there was nobody on Auburn that said, hey, tone it down, take a deep breath. Take it easy. Let's go basket by basket, possession by possession. Take a deep breath. Slow it down a little bit see if we can get into a rhythm. With Auburn, is the completely opposite where it's just everything is going, going, going fast, 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 fast to the point where they got sloppy, where they, where they got sloppy, turned off the basketball a ton, hoisted up, uh, took horrendous, horrendous jump shots, got terrible looks uh we're not rebounding the basketball as well and as much as they should have and Miami took advantage of that energy cannot be created nor dist- can't be created nor destroyed only transferred the energy from the out of control energy transfer from Auburn to miami what happened Miami started to make some jump shots uh rebounded auburn uh out rebounded Auburn Well, actually well Auburn out rebounded Miami, but you know, in the moments where Auburn needed a couple needed some extra possessions and needed to uh, and needed to steal some extra possessions, they could not do so, albeit Auburn out rebounded Miami 47 to 39. But, you know, the game got away from got away from the Tigers and you blank all of a, all of a sudden Jim Laranega and the Hurricanes advanced to the Sweet Sixteen in Chicago by the final score of seventy 79- nine to uh, about a final score of 79 to 61 Uh, and and you had you know in Turn over the basketball left and right. Auburn only turned over the basketball f- thirteen times. To Miami, one of the best in the country, and not turn over the basketball. Turned over the basketball only a mere four times. Seventeen got, or excuse me, Miami got seventeen points off of Auburn's turnovers. Auburn only got the two off of uh, off of Miami's four. Grant can't score a lot of points off of turnovers if your opponent doesn't turn over. But bad job by the Miami defense, not forcing enough Miami turnovers. To make up for the fact that again with the fast pace they got sloppy out of control, gifting Miami free possessions and you blink an eye and the game's all of a sudden uh, out of reach. Auburn not showing up uh, against Miami was a huge disappointment on that I got out of Sunday's action, um, and then of, and then the last one I got. Uh, and of course, outside of the Mountain West being a compete joke and an utter disgrace, NCAA put, and I should have addressed this with Colin, should have asked Colin this on the selection show on, uh, a couple Sundays ago, but I'll bring it up here. The fact that the NCAA allows so many Mountain West teams into the, conference, into the tournament for them to fall on their face is is completely abysmal. And the Big Ten outside of Michigan pulling, you know, pulling a uh, an unsuspected run out of their tail. The Big Ten very, very, very underwhelming, uh, underwhelming in this tournament. They lost Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Wisconsin with the home court advantage, playing the game in freaking Milwaukee for crying out loud. All got bounced on Sunday. You want to include Saturday's action? Want to include Saturday's action. There were no Big Ten teams that played on Saturday outside of Michigan who won. And then if you want to go back and include Friday, who did they lose on Friday, you may ask. They lost, they lost, uh, I ain't losing anybody on Friday. Go back to Thursday. Thursday, who did they lose on, well, they, they lost Rutgers in the first four. They lost Rutgers in the first four. Iowa on Thursday and Indiana on Thursday. Am I missing anybody? So they lost Rutgers in the in the first four. Indiana and Iowa on Thursday. And then on Sunday they lost collectively on the same day they lost Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, Wisconsin with the home and Wisconsin with the home court. Their team still standing, Purdue and Michigan. Big Ten they, they they're another one that's a that's a conference that hasn't won a that hasn't won a national championship in eons not good enough as for Wisconsin who I've referenced all show and I'll tear the band-aid off of them right now I understand that that the, that they uh, that their player um uh, that, that hepburn that Hepburn uh, hurt his ankle not the point you got home court advantage in Milwaukee at the Pfizer Forum. Uh, they weren't bad. They were disgusting offensively in the game. 29% from the field shot two or two of 22. That's 9%. They shot less than 10% from three. Two out of 22. 22 attempted three-pointers. They made two of them. Less than 10%, 9%. That, my friends... As from from the Big Ten regular season champions, uh, with the three seed that had home court advantage, that is disgusting. Twenty nine percent from the field. Twenty nine percent from the field outgained in fast break and fast break points seven to two by Iowa State, and uh, the and uh, were well, outgained by Iowa State points off for turnovers eleven to nine. Pathetic. Pathetic. I understand Hepburn with the with the bad ankle, but that's that's unforgivable. Johnny Davis, seventeen points. Davidson, twelve points, Wall, their forward only put up eight. Pathetic performance by the Wisconsin offense. Pathetic. And they were fortunate to get out of the game against Colgate the other night because they were very, uh, because they because their offense was was uh, wasn't fantastic, and it it took until the last couple of minutes in the second half for uh, for Johnny Juzang to uh, Johnny Juzang, Uh Johnny Davis to turn it on and take over the game against Colgate late on Friday night a game they easily could have lost, but Saturday but Sunday night with a they might as well play the game at Madison for crying out loud. the place was. Filled to the gills with uh, with Wisconsin Badgers. I don't know how many times uh, Sparrow Dita said over the broadcast Friday night and on Sunday night about how it was the hottest ticket the, that the Badgers have had all season, along with the fact that they that they had the that they were fortunate enough to play their first two uh, games of the tournament within the state of Wisconsin in an NBA arena at the Fiserv Forum in the, in the in the state's biggest city of Milwaukee and they were not bad abysmal damn near embarrassing against iowa state on sunday night embarrassing embarrassing nine percent from three really when you go well you guys need and you guys didn't lose by, by that much 54 you only you guys only lost by five i mean and if the three-pointer isn't falling for the nine millionth time Get the hell away from shooting the three-pointer. If The three-pointer isn't falling, so be it. It's not going to. Ch- the more three-pointers you hoist up, your chances of making them do not go up, guys. It goes down. When you can't, when you've made, when you went two of 22 on the night, you continue to hoist up threes from you know from beyond the arc at a ridiculously uh, rate. Please. I can understand you if you were down by twelve, down by nine, you know, try to and the clock and the clock was running thin on you, you know, you try to cut the pos- cut the amount of possessions you need to get within get within time the game and taking the lead. I understand that you lost the game by five points. The game was in reach up up on up, up up until the final few seconds. Take the easy baskets. I understand that the guy was he had a bad ankle. There's still no excuse out the Big Ten Player of the Year in Johnny Davis. Find and 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 home court advantage. Win the damn game. No excuses. Underwhelming performance. Very disappointing Wisconsin's performance. I had them going to the Final Four in a couple of mine on my paper bracket, and I'm going all the way to the national championship game. They couldn't even make it out of uh, their own state playing Iowa State uh in the opening weekend very bad take a break get to the sweet 16 close out the program now i'm talking to podcast welcome back to the i'm telling podcast before we preview the upcoming sweet 16 matches for the eighth of the ncaa men's division one basketball tournament the poll well, not the poll the q a episode Uh, available exclusively on the Spotify app is as follows. Your biggest surprise of the NCAA tournament and why. Give your biggest surprise. It could be an upset or it could be a surprise. You know, you choose. It's your prerogative. You choose how you want to answer the question. Your biggest surprise of the NCAA tournament, men's tournament, and why. Keep in mind this uh, Q&A uh, little format is available exclusively on the Amatelio Like a podcast podcast uh, what, I guess you call it channel page just that, whatever it is, the little can Like a is channel page so if you listen to the show on the Anchor app, Anchor, uh, the Anchor website, anchor.fm uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or iHeartRadio, you won't be able to access it the only way you're able to access it is if you go to the Amatelio Like a uh, channel page on the Spotify app or on Spotify.com. Scroll down to the sc- click the episode. Scroll down to the bottom of it, and you will be able to see the Q and A right there for you to answer, you to reply. And when you reply, I will be able to pin it, and it will be there for the and your response be there for the whole world to see. Once again, the, the question is what's your biggest surprise of the NCAA, NCAA uh, tournament so far, and uh, and uh, why you can answer that on the M T like and T I S channel page on the Spotify app and on Spotify.com. We spend the last few minutes closing in on Sweet 16 of the 2022 NCAA Men's Division One Basketball. Uh, tournament. You got four games on Thursday, four games on Friday. Uh, on uh, Sat either Friday in between. I be- on the show I'll do. I believe on Saturday I will uh, preview the upcoming games for the Elite Eight games. But in the meantime, we'll do Sweet Sixteen. Got four games on Thursday, four games on Friday. Let us start with Arkansas and Gonzaga first. Ar- uh, Gonzaga uh, was. Uh, Gonzaga definitely gave you surely a heart attack. Uh, against Memphis, beating them by the hair, the chinny chin chin, 82-78 on Saturday night. Uh, Mark Few and company, uh, you know, it looks like they were going to be down for the count in the second half. The guys did a phenomenal job coming back and winning the game, uh, advancing to uh, advancing to yet another Sweet 16, taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks, who did a phenomenal job Saturday night and their victory over New Mexico State, beating them 53 to 48. A uh, one a four seed versus a one seed. I think Mark Few. I I listen. I think when, that there is a certain point in time when you when you've played enough NCAA tournaments, where I think it's your time. Uh, mark fuse only so many times going to be able to have a bite at the apple of playing and participating in this tournament before he eventually gets it to a gets it to another final four now i don't think i didn't predict them on this tournament to begin to win a national championship, I did predict them to get back to the Final Four, and I think that it's going to be a little bit of I think that it, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a nice little rematch against UCLA somewhere down the road. But that's going to be an intriguing game. Keep keep an eye on on Monday night, or excuse me, on a Thursday night. And then the game after them, uh, roughly about seven thirty tip off time Thursday. Michigan and Villanova. Michigan put on a absolutely gutty performance against Tennessee. On uh, Sat on Saturday afternoon, where where Jawan Howard give him all the credit. World, yes, I understand. You know he has his flaws. You know he's not a perfect man, but boy, his team does play hard for him. I mean, just a fantastic job against Tennessee on Saturday on Saturday afternoon, as we previously discussed. Villanova, Jay Wright, what one of the best coaches? One of the, if one of the best coaches, top five in all of college basketball. Phenomenal job and absolute beat down against Delaware, eighty to sixty. Go. through the box score right quick if you wish uh, you had more their guard dropped 21 points three boards six of six six assists seven of 13 from the field shot three of five damn near perfect from three point range uh gillespie their other guard 14 points four boards four assists five of 11 from the field four of nine from three uh just an absolutely fantastic offensive performance uh, from Villanova on Friday afternoon, shot 46% at the team from three, 50% at from the field in general. Damn near perfect from the free throw line, 11 to 12, 91%. Uh, th- uh three out. Performed Delaware 3-1 on fast break points, 16 points off for turnovers in the game. Uh got as the team had five five steals, two blocks in the game, an absolute beatdown of the Delaware hands. They take on uh, Michigan on Thursday night. That game is going to be on TBS. See how f- it's 11 versus a 2 seed. I anticipate Gonzaga and Villanova pulling it out of those two games. And then, of course, in the latter night games in the 9 o'clock hour, Texas Tech and Duke. The 3 seed Texas Tech taking on the uh, number 2 seeded uh, the Duke Blue Devils. We, of course, discussed Duke and, uh, and the and the absolute heart and uh, and phenomenal offensive performance they had against Michigan. Well, I wouldn't say phenomenal, but a very good offensive night they had against Michigan State on sunday night we discussed that earlier in the program texas tech coming off of their uh coming off of their uh victory against notre dame beating notre dame by six points 59 to uh, 53 an absolute uh an absolute exciting basketball game uh on their end uh you had three out of their five starting guys score f- 14 points or more mccullough the guard 14 points uh, was four of nine from the field, fit five of six from the free throw line. Uh, Obama, their forward one of four from three, 15 points, 15 boards, one assist, uh, shot 16 of 13 from the field, and an absolute, uh, an absolute, uh, clutch performance from him in their game against Notre Dame on Sunday, 53 59, the final score. Of uh, that one, then you got Houston versus Arizona. Kelvin Sampson talked about him early in the program as well, and their absolutely sensational performance uh, against, and uh, their sensational performance against Illinois. Arizona uh, by the hair, the chin-, chin-, chin was able to beat TCU thanks to the Weft swallowing the whistle and their and that fantastic performance uh, from the Pac-12 Player of the Year and Bennett McMathlorn, Mac- whatever his name is. Uh, and they're going to have to need another, they're going to have to have a repeat performance from him because that is a gritty, gutty, feisty Houston team that's going to have to have all hands on deck for Arizona coming up in the game on Thursday night. I expect I expect uh, Sampson to put together a decent game plan for him. Houston is one of the better defensive teams that I've seen out of the tournament in the last two years 2021, of course, here in 2022. So far, we'll see if Arizona. Wouldn't be shocked if Houston is able to pull off is able to pull off another upset and uh, send Arizona home packing and advance the Elite Eight. If I was a betting man, I'd bet Houston. I, I weird suspicion. I'd bet Houston will win the game on uh, on Thursday night. Just my intuition, just a gut feeling. I'd watch out for Houston. They might be a live dog laying in the weeds uh, heading into Thursday night's game. Then you go over to Friday against Saint Peter's versus Purdue, uh, and that game at seven o nine on CBS. Purdue coming off of their victory on coming off of their victory on Sunday. Purdue took care of business against Texas, beating them by ten eighty one seventy one. Going up against St. Peter's, who did a fantastic job against Murray State on Sat on Saturday night, St. Peter's is, looks like is the Oral Roberts of this year's NCAA tournament, the Cinderella team. Uh, St. Peter's, I mean, wouldn't put it past them to upset and shock the world and move on to the elite upsetting Purdue. Purdue's got to be careful in that fifteen versus three matchup in the East region. Moving over to the Midwest region, got Providence taking on got Providence taking on Kansas. Providence earlier in the tournament. They t- uh, Providence on Saturday night. Took care of business against. Uh, took care of business against Richmond, beating them 79 to 51. As the four seed, go ahead. You look at uh, Horcher was their leading scorer with with 16 points. Uh, and was their leading rebound with 14 total boards. Uh, Bynum led the team in assists and a in a uh, and a fantastic job by the Providence Friars. Moving on to the Sweet 16, keep an eye out for them on Friday. Taking care, uh, going up against Kansas, win their game. Uh, Saturday afternoon against Crankton, beat them by seven seventy nine to seventy two. Bill Self once again gets himself to the Sweet 16. Uh, as you had, uh, and you had uh, Wilson, Abanji, and Braun all combined. Uh, you know, uh, Wilson had 14 points. Abanji had 15. Uh, Braun had 13. Uh, four out of, excuse me, three out of their starting five third, uh, had double digits in the game. Combined, those uh, three Musketeers had on Saturday night. Combined for 42 total points. Meanwhile, Cranington, uh, now Koluma, therefore did a phenomenal job. Had 24 points, 12 boards, three assists, but it wasn't enough. And their valiant effort, uh, in their valiant effort, Kansas just shot a shot uh, 5% better from the field than than the Blue Jays did. And the Kansas Jayhawks were damn near perfect. Uh, from the free throw line, that is game number two on Friday night. They got North Carolina, UCLA, which I'm looking forward to. North Carolina, a gritty, gutty team with Hubert Davis, who's done a hell of a job replacing Roy Williams thus far at this point of his young uh, of his young coaching career. But, uh, they will get, of course, Manic back uh, coming off of him getting thrown out with the flagrant. Uh, he will be a he and R.J. Davis will be uh, will be uh, be the yin and the yang for the North. Carolina offense, UCLA has to has to be on their, uh, has to be on all, not on all fours, but uh, keep their eyes peeled and be on all, and be on their toes in the later game at 9.39 at night on Friday night, and then of course you got Iowa State and Miami. Iowa State, of course, in the aforementioned upset against uh, Wisconsin and Miami, who doesn't turn over the football, one of the best in the nation at doing so, with Jim Lanaga and the boys 11 versus the 10 in the Midwest region of Sweet 16 up in Chicago at 10 o'clock at night on Friday. A little late, you know, Iowa's in the central time zone, Miami in the eastern time zone. They get the later game. Uh, a little rough, but it is a Friday night, you know. So uh, often the only issue will be keeping your odds weak because if you, because the American audience having to get up early in the morning, go to work and go to school that day. But uh, there you have it. You got four games on Thursday, four games on Friday, and the Elite Eight on Saturday and on Sunday. the the the, thir- the winners of Thursday's games will play Saturday, and the winner of Friday's games will play on Sunday. So there you have it. Thought I'd give you guys and dedicate this entire show to the NCAA touring after I did nothing but NFL and MOB free agency talk for you on a Saturday show. So I will re I will recap the sweet sixteen and preview the Elite Eight Come a uh, look out for that episode late Friday night, early Saturday morning. Look out for that. I'll give you the NCAA tournament talk with that on uh, coming up later in the weekend or whatever major sports stories break, including Matt Ryan, who is the new starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Look out for my two cents on that. Coming up later in the week. If you like what you heard, new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Please follow the show on Instagram at mattel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at mattel underscore yes Be sure to follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Talk to you guys later in the week. Enjoy the Sweet Sixteen and have a good one, y'all. Take care. See ya.